0: 113 of the Better Yet Podcast. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet is a long-form interview podcast featuring musicians talking about influence, talking about writing, and talking about being around. Fastbacks. I remember Tony Molina cited them when he was here, and I regrettably informed him that I was unfamiliar, and he said, I don't mean to tell you what to do in your own home, but you need to rectify that. And I did, and I'm thankful. Steve Siolik of the Sidekicks is on the show today. Those words I've looked forward to saying into this microphone since before there was a this microphone. But let's not bury the lead. Medwin's here. Now, Medwin, some of you may remember, is the other crisp, Family pug. He's six now. We got him and he was so little. The brother Chloe never asked for. And when my folks moved overseas, Chloe moved in with me. Med, the adventurer, went with them. Spent some time living with me before he was able to go to Ireland and was present for a few of the early episodes of this podcast. Kate Eldridge, Jerry from vacation. But he's back because my parents are coming back at the end of the month after two and a half years just living in Dublin. And I'm excited to have them back close by. Almost as excited as Medwin was to see Chloe. Chloe is pretty indifferent, but she mostly tolerates him. He's a cuddler, so he's always sidling up next to her. Lily, poor Lily, is so overwhelmed we got a dog hotel over here it's a good life to be living our patreon patreon.com slash better yet podcast is one week old and i have to say i'm feeling so grateful for those who showed up early to be a part of it i've already dropped plenty of chloe content in there but also the debut of a new show called 15 minutes with you one of the extra pieces of audio that I'm excited about have a few other concepts planned, one of which will be dropping in there soon. You can go to patreon.com slash betteryetpodcast to pledge a monthly amount to help support the show in exchange for the pledge. We've got some incentives in there along with audio and Chloe content. we got merchandise, coffee, go on over there and check it out. Now last week was a mix of excitement and nervousness, a total leap of faith, not knowing if I'd uh, crossed a threshold into delusion, thinking that people would actually want to pledge, but it was so uh, humbling and encouraging to see that so many of you did. I'm excited for the prospects. Lately, I've been searching for a new source of motivation. I found a way to set up touchstones at the beginning, you know, 25 episodes, 50 episodes, a live episode, a hundredth episode. And once we reached the last one, it was like, okay, now what? And I think the big realization for me was that this thing needs to continue to grow. And we've done all of All of what we've done so far has just been based on word of mouth. Having the guests share their interviews and, you know, ideally you come in for someone you care about and you like it enough to stay. It's worked. It's worked unbelievably well and now it's time to try and push a little bit harder. Go all in. And, you know, that takes more than an hourly wage roasting coffee and I'm so excited to to get... Uh, that support from so many of you, and uh, excited to see where it all goes. It's you know, it's nice to have a little bit of stimulus, uh, and and have t- new things to be excited about creatively. And while we're doing big things over there, we still got big things going here. And for me, this is a pretty big one. Steve Siolik of the Sidekicks is here, and let me tell you a story. Usually, I give a uh, short history of the band, but here's a story I'd like to tell about the Sidekicks. In the winter of 2015, I heard a record called Runners in the Nerved World by the Sidekicks, Now, I played with them before. The Please and Thank Yous played a show with Delay, the Sidekicks, and Sprainerd in 2013. Weight of Air, Awkward Breeds, these were records that I already was super into, but when Runners came out, I was excited to hear that not only was there a new record, but that they'd done it with Phil Eck, who's produced you know, every Built to Spill record, except for the first one, Band of Horses, The Shins. It was a marriage that I was very pumped on. I bought the record after hearing it once, and there was a CD included with the LP. Now, my best friends and I took a trip within a couple days of that, and we drove to Philadelphia to see the Royal Rumble, which is a WWE pay-per-view. I brought the CD with me, and I feel like once we were in Philly, that just stayed in the CD player of the rental car. That trip was one of the best times in my life. Nothing about it wasn't great. Moments I'll never forget with people I cherish, and also it, it snowed one night, We went to the golden tea house and saw captain were sinking and got home and parked and this snow started falling and I I, I can't even begin. But each of these things had the diameter of a golf ball and and they're they're falling so slow and we're just out there catching snowflakes on our tongues. It, It was one of the greatest weekends of my life. And this record was the soundtrack to it. And not only that, but you listen to this thing, and it's so ephemeral. And there are themes running through, songs referencing each other. It's one of those records that made me think, I just wish that I could talk to him about it. I've got so many questions, and it took me a while, but here we are. Steve is on the show not only to talk about runners and awkward breeds and weight of air but what came before and what's come since a new sidekicks record called happiness hours another impressive effort with a lot of internal references but put together under very different circumstances we talk about those we talk about plenty hell we started talking Way before we got here. I picked him up from the bio Lounge. We sat in rush hour traffic all the way back up north. Got here, got behind the microphones, and we got to getting to it. So let's, well, get to it. We'll start with the song first. though. So this is Don't Feel Like Dancing, followed by my interview with Steve Scioli.
1: In a city named for a man with some awful choices in life. It makes sense i met a couple dozen Christopher's tonight. Business boys back with by founding father Bartlett.
0: They Came Together. It's a movie with Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler as directed by David Wayne. You know, Stella. Yeah, yeah. This shit, it's like a romantic comedy spoof. Uh-huh. It is the dumbest and best movie of the past like five years. It is so it come out? silly slapstick, like 2014 or something oh. to little fanfare. It's so fucking funny and so stupid. And it's like, it's a spoof off a of You Got Mail and like every okay. late 90s romantic comedy but i love i love people falling down what are you trying to do you looking at my notes here no i was looking at
1: your shirt i was trying to figure out what your shirt was oh it's
0: it's this band candy from richmond i saw them the other night i went to see terror
1: oh nice it was
0: so fun um and so silly but so positive too this band candy played though and they they're so fucking good just like kind of grindy hardcore they're like 20 years old And they're just they're just ripping it up. It was so fucking good. And they got on the back. There's a BMW logo like spoof that says candy. I don't get it. I don't get where these kids are coming from, but I like it. It's nice to see. uh, It's nice to see new people doing things, right? Yeah, totally. So you've got a cat now. You've got a second cat now that you're going to come home to
1: potentially. Uh, My girlfriend found a kitten. Uh, underneath her car when she was coming out of work and then just now
0: I love this you come in you make a peanut butter sandwich for yourself with peanut butter and bread that you brought over here from the green room yeah it's such a
1: pro move I don't know if it's pro or if it's sad (sighs) yeah but yeah I guess my girlfriend found a cat a kitten underneath her car and she was taking it to go to a shelter but there's no shelters open right now so now it's it's gonna be in our house for for at least 12 hours and I feel like if it fares no well, chance. I feel like we have a cat, no another cat chance. <clears throat> yeah, that that cat is is there to stay. Now, you want to call it Steve? Oh, I don't know. I think it would be a horrible idea because then anytime anyone's saying Steve, the uh-huh. cat would think it's being called. <laughs> but no, it's That's a good. bad idea. <laughs> I like I like animals with human names. I do too. I think it's funny.
0: I do too. We got Chloe down here, we got Lily outside. Medwin is coming on Sunday. Medwin's a very like dignified Me- name. Medwin for is a pup. an
1: awesome name. It's so good. I feel like Cedric would be a good dog name.
0: Yeah, Cedric would be good. Also like life goal Gertrude Stein had a cat named Basket. And I really want to have a dog named Basket, like a little dog named Basket. I think that would be really good. That, that sounds really nice. I don't know any people named Basket, but. It'd be
1: good. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably like a, a traveler punk named Basket. Somewhere. Like that's like their somewhere,
0: punk name. uh, somewhere on a corner. Uh, Basket is playing a banjo. He mm-hmm. just wants money.
1: That's how so, the AJJ show. Uh, <laughs> so, where'd you grow up? Uh, Strongsville, Ohio. It's a suburb of Cleveland. Uh huh. Um, there's a mall there. The mall got built while I was living there and that changed everything. Now we've got it all. Now you, you got, got a the mall? Costco, you got uh-huh. the, every, every store. I don't know. That was like the spot I feel like people would kind of hang out at, mm-hmm. but, uh, would you go to the mall? When did the mall come about? I wasn't, I wasn't like a mall punk or anything, but uh-huh. I just feel like that's sort of Strongsville is just like a gigantic mall that's what it's it, right? like i don't think there's not that many small businesses in strongsville it's mostly chain mm-hmm. sort of things and we that's the way people like it yeah like we, they then, want all we, the new stuff
0: we like it like this yeah in
1: strongville what'd your folks do uh both my parents are physical therapists oh
0: yeah that's great
1: and so is my now so is my younger brother and uh-huh. so is my sister-in-law my older brother's wife
0: how many how and many siblings do you have?
1: Two. I have uh-huh. one younger brother and one older brother. We're both okay. two years apart. So and my you older and your brother and younger brother
0: are just like, all right, we're uh, we're cool. The rest of these people are like in. The, they're just talking about their shit. All no, the time? my younger brother
1: is a physical therapist,
0: and your older brother is a doctor. My older Does brother's it?
1: a doctor, and I went to school for biology. Uh huh. We could have had a real family empire, but Would then I really it? broke the yeah you messed thing. it
0: up yeah. what uh what turned you away from
1: biology I got a Fender Squire Stratocaster oh man <laughs> that was it no that I mean I liked I really like I liked being in school I feel like by the end of me being in college I was like really enjoying every class I was taking and yeah I liked I like science a lot I uh-huh. still like well like re- I like reading like just you know science things I'll just Google stuff in the van sometimes. So but, uh, when you were
0: when you were going there for biology, did you have like a an intention there,
1: or was it just like this is like kind of my lane? A little bit, yeah. I mean, I liked I always liked being in hospitals. Honestly, I was a little bit I was on the fence about trying to do something with like physical therapy. Mm-hmm. To be honest, yeah. But I then mean, why uh, wouldn't you? you yeah, totally. Well, I was around it and I, I like it, and I like. I don't know. I like working with people, and I just I, like that. I like feel like I like
0: for like a four month span or something. a Tight hamstring, was tightening up my back, and then it was making my head hurt. But I loved it. I like came out of physical therapy thinking I think I would like to be a physical therapist, and then I actually looked into it because I majored in English, yeah. and I was like, "How old are you?" Uh, I just turned thirty. So you you're gonna relate to this. <laughs> I'm 29 and two months. I'm like, I gotta do something. I gotta do something. So I'm yeah. like, what if I went to school for physical therapy? Yeah. And then I like looked into like the you know the prereq requirements. I could apply to schools here. And then I just like called someone up and was like, yo. So if I'm like, you know, graduated with an English degree a long time ago, and then I like. You know, went through all the the prereq requirements, and then I applied. Like, do I have a chance? And she's like, "Just a flat no." (laughs) And I was like, "I was like, okay, word. Well, thank you. I'm glad that you didn't lead me on." Yeah, because I would have been in Biology 106 at the local college right now.
1: Yeah, it'd be a lot. I mean, you could definitely do it. I I know. I have. I forget what my. It doesn't matter. I just heard of people that have had English degrees and then totally flipped it and they've become like a surgeon. They're like a top surgeon. And it's almost like coming from it from that other I don't know, like having life experience doing other things. Yeah. I feel like people always appreciate that, but
0: yeah. I feel like, you know, that's kinda that's kinda where I'm at right now. You're it's, trying to play that card. <laughs> maybe somewhere down the line it'll start to make sense. Yeah. But who knows? So so but when you you were growing up, was there music in the house?
1: Yeah. Um, I liked my jams were, I, I would get like, uh, well, I just liked pop music. So I'd always listen to the radio. Yeah. So I was always listening to like jam 92.3 and I would listen to the top 10 and I would tape like, I would just tape like the top 10. So I would just get all the songs. I did that off too. of that. So it would mm-hmm. be, I was just really into like, just like i feel like i liked just like the 90s pop like all of that like i was into like Alanis morissette but i was also into like coolio and i was into like the spice girls i had like Britney spears cd and it was just like all of just anything that was like popular i liked but i I also really liked i would collect i would i would get them for christmas every year i'd get like a disco compilation uh uh-huh and like i'd get like a funk compilation you must have been the
0: most popular kid in school
1: No, but I would, I would just get, I would just play those like CDs in my living room and I would just dance my ass off. Like almost like it could be like an exercise class. Like how hard I was dancing to these, (laughs) this like disco and like funk stuff.
0: I love it. I remember taping like, you know, top five at nine sort of things. And that's like, that's when I kind of really started to appreciate R&B because I wasn't like hearing a lot of that stuff in my house but like just hearing like the way everything is like bass and beat oriented mm-hmm. on like Aaliyah tracks as opposed to you know the the pop punk stuff that I was like into like holistically yeah but, like just hearing how it was just completely kind of inverse in comparison yeah It was cool to like you know just experience that and just be like oh what is it that I like about this in comparison but you were hearing like what like play that funky music white boy and stuff like that so you're getting like
1: that was good texture stuff (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I, that was the stuff that I would pick out and then the music that was around like my mom would play like Led Zeppelin and like Neil Young and like she was she grew up you know they grew up in like i guess when all that cool stuff was going on late 60s early 70s so like she i don't know like the beatles and what about what
0: about the punk stuff
1: when does that come in for you so i started i think it kind of came hand in hand with skateboarding like i start, me and my friends like you know lived in like a little neighborhood and we just like would walk to each other's house every day and just skate and i kind of got into like I mean, I probably like the one of the first punk bands that I liked was like, I would say probably like Blink-182, just yeah. like because they were, they were popular, they were they on were like TV. very cool, right. So I like, I got into them and I listened to like, I got like a good Charlotte CD and like some 41 and then my friends, they had like, I remember he had like a Rancid CD and that was the first like band that wasn't necessarily like i mean they were on like mtv and stuff too but they sort of were like the window into that whole world so then i'd got like then i get like then you can find like
0: punkorama and like warped tour compilations exactly whatnot yeah i like the skateboarding lane to it too because i feel like that's a really good like kind of way to just immerse yourself in a subculture Mm -hmm. and to find it like you know that there's like all sorts of like alt shit that's
1: happening yeah
0: um so when did you start when did you start playing
1: then around that same time when i was like i think i got a guitar in like seventh or eighth grade yeah and and i was like playing guitar a lot and then also skateboarding and then i um broke my wrist doing this uh we made this skateboard the kid who broke his wrist (laughs) Have you Isn't ever I made that connection? <laughs> <laughs> well, I broke my wrist. Uh, we made this skateboard thing that uh-huh. was like, uh, it, we put like snowboard bindings onto a skateboard and then you can have someone pull you on a bike just by a rope and you, just get, you can go really fast and like jump yeah. and stuff. But uh-huh. the problem is you can't bail off the skateboard. Right. So I like hit a crack in the road and I just like ate shit and it, i fell on my wrist every and it was like, like
0: adult that's watching this is just like no no i'm watching that terror show the other night like from the second level of the subterranean and i'm just like stop you're going to hurt each other yeah <laughs> so you but you, but so you after broke after that wrist. so after well uh-huh. i was gonna
1: say after i broke my wrist i kind of like was like ah I like playing, I because I couldn't play guitar then for like however like a month or six weeks or something. Yeah, and I really like missed it, and I was like, oh man, I want to like, I don't know, I, I don't want that to happen anymore. So I kind of like stopped skateboarding really. Yeah. Like I wouldn't really do it that much anymore. Or uh-huh. I'd hang out while other people would skateboard, but right. I was they all like my friends. I feel like latched onto the skateboarding more, and I latched onto like the music a lot more. Yeah, so I just I would come home from school every day and i would play guitar for like four hours like wow. i was just all like it was just all i ever wanted to do because yeah, it was yeah. just, it was like this constant like i don't know you just had this wonder where you're like oh what could i learn next or what could i do next was
0: it like learning you know songs on the internet or were you kind of there,
1: there'd be tabs but then also i i liked just like i'd learn i i went to lessons a little bit but it was i don't know it was just kind of by like this lame guy that was teaching me how to play yeah. like Mary had a little lamb, or something. I he taught me some good right, stuff. Right, he taught me a brown-eyed girl. I remember. Uh huh. But got it was a just, nice, like lead in there. Yeah, yeah. But I think, like, I don't know. I, I that I got kind of sick of. But I would just, I would, I learned like chords and stuff, and uh-huh. I, I, sort of, I think I, I started like writing my own songs, and I would have like, I had like a little like recorder thing, yeah. and I was like, kind of coming up with my own stuff. But I really started playing guitar when. Well, like I started a band with those skateboarding friends, uh-huh. which became the Sidekicks eventually. Really? Yeah. That so was. So who's in there? Is, is, so it was is me. Climber in there? Not yet. So well, yeah. So it was me, uh-huh. Josh, Henry, and Brandon Petrick. We would all hang out and just skateboard, and we and so Josh, I wanted to play bass actually at first, but Josh uh-huh. had a bass. So if we wanted, to, and Brandon had a guitar, so if I wanted to jam with them, I had to get a guitar. I mean, right. we could have got two basses. It would have been. It would have been could have been epic, but so I got a guitar and I wanted to play bass, but you know, yeah. But we would just jam and we'd play our own songs and mostly, PD would kind of write songs and he wrote like the first I feel like the first few songs that we were playing. First uh-huh. that band was called Fiction, at first, yeah. And then yeah, I, I don't met... think that that's bad. No, it's not. That's that actually
0: because you know Max was here. Max told me all about the Scottastrophes, and I was like, dude, Max Stern, yeah, fucking
1: epic we played with the scotch the sidekicks did yeah yeah but yes yeah, so, so then i in high school i met matt climber the drummer of the sidekicks now aka sanders we were sitting class why sanders why sanders yeah uh <laughs> we have a friend in cleveland named ken Dix, and he uh we played a show with his band called asinine they're uh-huh. like this punk band from cleveland they're fucking amazing it's like rancid and like just all of the stuff that I loved at that time. Yeah. They were just doing it perfectly. Uh huh. But we played a show with them. It was the first time we ever met him and we told him all of our last names and some of our last name I mean, my last name's Seolik, and I feel like that kind of spawned off him being like, Eh, that's not your last name. You're Steve Smith. Uh-huh. You're Matt Sanders. You're I forget what he said to Josh and Petey. It was uh-huh. like But he just made up last names for us and the Sanders thing. Sanders Kenny's the type stuck. of person that yeah. when he comes up with a nickname for somebody, it's going to be like he's gonna non-stop call you that and uh-huh. get everyone else around him to call you that too yeah. so he just became sanders to everyone uh-huh and he still calls me steve smith but that one didn't stick as much yeah it's funny because to this day most people like even people on this tour with Tiger Shaw now they were like wait his last name's not sanders <laughs> Cause it's just, it's not a, it's, it's not a nickname. It's just sure. a different name. <laughs> uh-huh. It's just like on him
0: and there's no way around. So, so that's like, that's the beginning of the, of the sidekicks. And then were you playing, um, were you playing locally? Were you playing like around Cleveland or was it more of like a suburban like scene in the, in the high school years?
1: So we started out, it was like, well, yeah. So I'm, so I met Sa- Sanders. Uh-huh. We're in class and I was like, I was like humming a no effects song or something, or he was humming a no effects song. He was like, well, what is that? And it was Uh like, Oh, we both like no effects. And then we just became like best friends from there. And he had all these, he had, he had a bunch of CDs, like he had everything. So I just burned all the punk CDs off of him. And like, like listen to the clash for the first time or like listened to like London calling and like operation Ivy. And I got into like other stuff from there, like the older stuff, which I was like, then I sort of took to that a lot more. Um, But yeah. And, I found out he played drums and we needed a drummer. Like uh-huh. we had two guitars and a bass and we needed someone to play drums. So he came over and jammed with us. And all he could play was like a really fast, like, that was like the only beat he would do. So all right. of our songs were just like fast. You just like, like rancid, <laughs> let's go era, like punk stuff. It was, it was fun. But yeah. So then it was, we jammed in his basement or in Josh's basement for a bunch. We actually had a lead singer for a moment there. And then I wrote a song that Uh i sang and everyone's like we like this song better yeah you should 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 just just sing sing. me and me and pd wrote songs on the first sidekicks ep right yeah um but at that time we oh man i mean (laughs) i could i could really go into it but we played show we played some like suburban things we played like uh like our friend's basement and we our first show was actually at in Petey's driveway where we played in his garage and people could just stand in the driveway and watch and it was like three of our friends watched us play our Uh songs but after that i think we kind of started plugging into like the club scene because there was like pay to play stuff there's this club called peabody's which sucks um, but they would do this thing where you could get tickets, and you'd sell the tickets for right. the show that you're playing, and you keep a dollar from each ticket. So the first show we played, we sold like seventy tickets, uh-huh. and we got seventy bucks. But the tickets Fuck, were like yeah. ten dollars. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so we just blindly hand these people all this money.
0: <laughs> That's you're, so wild. Yeah, that, that, but that like, was
1: like what you that was like what you did because then you and and then they would do this thing where they would have all these bands open up for like you know touring bands there like uh-huh. suicide machines or whoever would come through and then you could open for them and your are playing slot you could basically play right before the suicide machines if you sold the most tickets like That's pre-sale while for the show like uh-huh. they had a whole racket and then they did so but the first show we did that peabody's was a battle of the bands did you win we did not win i broke like i think i broke two or three strings during that set. And uh-huh. I changed the strings on stage. I didn't have a backup guitar. The you just best. changed them. Yeah, The best. And we had like our friend, Tomboy, who was also at the time our manager. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> He was like, yo, yeah, I'll manage you guys. He was like three years older than us. So I was like, yeah, yeah, we need a manager.
0: Yeah, for sure. But, Someone yeah. that can print out the set lists.
1: I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so then, uh, you know, when college comes around, w- w- did you stay in Cleveland or did you go to... You um, go to school, like, somewhere in Ohio? Yeah, go? I moved to Columbus. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Did you go to the Ohio State? I did. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, so did the did the band stay active while you were doing that? Or did you, like, put it on hold and then come back after the fact? I guess you must have, like, stayed active if
1: you're, yeah. if the timeline is right. Yeah, because we, well, we put out, or we wrote our full length when I was, like, a junior or so in high school. And we put it out. You wrote So Long,
0: Soggy Dog, when you were a junior in high school?
1: A lot of the songs, yeah. And we kind of just played them until... And then we eventually were able to record them, like, uh-huh. end of, like, senior year or so. And then we put the CD out. We pressed, like, a bunch of CDs and we put it out, like, the end of that summer. Right. Before I was going into college. And uh someone on, like, Punk News, like, reviewed it. Or someone... I forget who took to it. But that, like, made it, like, visible to... um Brennan Kelly from yeah. Lawrence Arms uh-huh. and he really liked it and then he he like told Toby the other person that does Red Scare right. about it and they like wanted to put out our, our record so then after that I was like and then they invited us out to play this show with the Lawrence Arms in Chicago uh-huh. like just to be like oh yeah come open for the Lawrence Arms and we were just like what? That's fucking it was wild like in that where it was it was like, a, do you remember? It was outside of Chicago it was like uh-huh. in a suburb okay. I, I, I forget um
0: Oh yeah, was it in fucking West Dundee?
1: Yeah, at a theater. Yeah, I was at that show. So that was like our first. That's like fucking crazy. Yeah, I, I think maybe that was like maybe in the winter. I, I'm not sure if, I forget if it was before or after our first tour, but we played that. Yeah, like.
0: that's wild. I was just talking about that venue because like I've you know. I just saw a bunch of friends uh, at a wedding. So, like, I know people who were, like, from that area. And I was like, yeah, you, do you remember that venue? I saw Gorilla Biscuits there. And I saw early Smoking Pope's reunion show there. And, I yeah, I totally forgot about that fucking Lawrence Arms show. Yeah. Because I remember Brendan fucking, he, he he gets up there and he's like, Never in my wildest dreams did I think I would headline a show in the Fox River Valley. <laughs> <It was laughs> fucking perfect. Yeah. Um, so that had to have been, there's a lot of parts to that where it's like, I can't believe that this is happening.
1: I remember getting the email and thinking, like, it, I think we got the email, like, it honestly might have been, like, the day that I moved into the dorm room uh-huh. at OSU. Like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I got that email, like, the day I moved in. So I moved all my stuff in, and it was like, i remember talking to sanders on the phone and just being like oh yeah like we got to do this this is crazy if I, I i in my mind it was like the day i moved in let's uh-huh. just say that because it's better for yeah the story.
0: it's a really nice uh yeah. thing for the story yeah sure. so
1: at that point i think we were like i don't know we put the cd out and i don't know what i was planning on doing but uh-huh. then at that point that made it more of like a, oh we can like try to do this more i don't know like seriously and try to like do things like not just in ohio
0: so yeah was it kind of like okay we've got we've got this going for us now we can kind of like start to tour and yeah like book
1: that a little bit and at the same time too there's a big piece of like our his i guess like the history too that was this house in lakewood called the soggy dog house that sanders uh-huh. moved into once he turned 18 and our friend kenny the, yeah. the sanders nickname right. giver he uh-huh. also like lived there and like a bunch of other friends and they would do a lot of house shows and we met so we met like met people like through that just mm-hmm. like that we're touring through and so even then we we like realized that you can tour like you know you, you can just go play shows you don't have to do the pay to play thing yeah for sure and, i feel and yeah. that's
0: kind of like that's at a time when like there's a lot of uh a lot of like an upswing on like that style of of pop punk too I think it's funny like listening back because sometimes I forget that you were a Red Scare band at all like yeah. that Awkward Breeds came out on Red Scare yeah and I also like really forget that like you know Soggy Dog and like Sam that sounds like fucking 2006 like that gruff pop punk thing yeah like you were fucking in there on it like especially with the way that you were singing
1: yeah i don't know i don't think it was like a i don't know i didn't think about it that was just the way that i tried to sing right (laughs) and i would lose my voice every show (laughs) so i kind of had to be like i should stop forcing myself to try to sound was that like
0: because you do have like you do have like a you know a higher register voice was it kind of like maybe being like uncomfortable with like well this is like where i am and i got if i like put a little gruff on it like it'll sound more like a like a pop punk vocalist
1: i don't know i think i was just trying to sound like the bands that i liked yeah like i was sure you know i was like wanting to sound like against me or like Uh whatever or like like the clash (laughs) so
0: when when you get to like uh weight of Air, then in 2009 like is it you're singing a lot more Mm -hmm. of like your your voice is it just because you can't do the gravelly thing you're losing your voice every night or is it
1: no i don't know i I, it was like i never like had a moment where i was like i don't want to be have a gravelly voice anymore but i think i like i started playing shows i wrote wrote a bunch of like solo kind of acoustic songs while i was in the dorm room in college just because Uh it was like we couldn't jam as much so i just started and i and i and i was playing shows too like solo shows at that time and that was all like singy
0: how was that what do you mean like it was a was it like was it down in columbus that you were doing that or were you uh, coming up for cleveland to do that too, i'd play or like shows lakewood? at soggy dog in lakewood uh-huh.
1: and i'd play shows in kent yeah and uh it's just yeah, super and like different a lot of, and, than and like, like some some yeah. stuff in in columbus uh-huh. but i was yeah i didn't start doing that till i was in college but right. yeah and like i don't know i i feel like i kind of well i don't know i think i started singing a little more too on like the second the sam ep yeah which was that was like that same year i think i just like like the first few tours we did i i like completely lost my voice (laughs) so Uh like i was just like trying to figure out ways to not do that
0: (laughs) there was uh there was a a little bit of like shuffling in the like early phases too like i think max talked about doing a tour with you Mm -hmm. as a guitarist and like it's you know it's it's you and sanders and i feel like when you know when ryan comes around and joins the band for weight of air that kind of like does that feel like it's like kind of a solidifying moment for the lineup
1: uh well matt Schumann joined before weight of air but ryan joined uh ryan who plays bass he joined uh on before awkward breeds actually uh-huh but i feel i mean not i feel like now when i look back yeah i'm like oh that's like the turning point or something yeah yeah weight of know. air
0: is like it's it seems like a much more like you see the beginning of like you know where you eventually lead to really on weight of air
1: yeah i think i, I think because we we like we became heavily influenced by a lot of our friends bands around that time so we did some tours with like this band ghost town trio is like our friend andy cook uh-huh. and um like uh there's this band from columbus called tin armor and there's this other band called delay and it's all fucking, those bands there is I feel a, like there's,
0: there's a hell of a band called delay yeah yeah i fucking love that
1: band yeah they're the best but yeah like i think like being introduced to a lot of music that i kind of i guess i was slight like slightly like exposed to when i was younger like more like classic rock stuff mm-hmm. but then like learning about stuff like i don't know like i remember being on tour with ghost town trio then playing the live 75 to 85 bruce springsteen tape fuck and yeah. I, I feel like i just remember being like i actually really like bruce springsteen yeah. and up until then maybe he annoyed the shit he out of me lame-o. Yeah, he, he was a lame yeah he annoyed so the shit lame. out of me but then yeah. like listening to that i was like you know what rock and roll is pretty amazing and right. i just was like i, I want to be like a rock and roll, like we were like, let's be a rock and roll band. And that, I feel like that was that record. Totally. Way to Fair was like, I want to be a rock and roll band. And then it was like, we want to sing like harmonies. The
0: harmonies are are, are pretty huge
1: on that. Yeah.
0: Was that, that was you. See, I I, I guess I got it wrong. Cause I got, I got Schuerman in here, but I had, I had Ryan, not Matt. Right.
1: Oh yeah. Matt Schuerman. Uh huh. And Ryan Starinsky. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so Matt just, Shurman joined uh-huh. on Way to Ver And yeah, so he was doing a lot of like the backup yeah and stuff on like that. the
0: way you you guys mesh together on
1: weight of air is like
0: that's kind of one of the things that really stands out on that record i think
1: yeah i think we were just yeah just being like let's just harmonize as much as we possibly can <laughs> yeah
0: it's it's interesting because i think that it's like like canonically i i think it's kind of easy to look at weight of air as like a stepping stone to awkward breeds but you know doing that it kind of you overlook the fact that that was such a popular record when it came out like the album of the year for punk news in 2009 and punk news in 2009 was like a fucking bible yeah was it um you know that's kind of surprising i guess it it seemed like a surprising pick then it was like everybody i was like
1: everybody likes this sidekicks record for
0: sure i didn't know that it was gonna be like where it
1: was i think it was because we were like i don't know I feel like the weaker than's were really like popular around that time too. Yeah. So people were kind of getting into like punk that wasn't. It was like I don't know. It was like they were into the, that stuff. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know why, but it was flattering. I I like read punk news at that time. Uh-huh. I'd like look at, at it for like oh who, who's the new bands.
0: So when you're when you, and when you're doing this stuff and you have I guess like you know because we know the great myth you move into the dorms and you get this uh don't worry I'll edit it and we'll just make it yeah. we'll just make it yeah um but, you know you're doing this stuff when you're in college is there a feeling when you're like getting close to graduating of like all right I can just I just want to do the band and I just like that's where I want to go when I'm done with this I want to do this full time
1: yeah i think like even while we were writing Awkward Breeds, I think that I was, like, uh, already sort of, like, I don't know, we were we were really trying to make, like, the best record we possibly could, because we did Weight of Air, and we did, we toured on it, like, in the summers and in the winter and stuff, and we were just, like, you, we just realized it was, like, you can't really give it, like, a good shot unless you can tour all the time. Yeah. Like, the internet can only do so much. At right. least in, in our minds, it was, like, you got to get out there and just play shows. Yeah and we were getting asked to do tours that we couldn't do and all this stuff so i feel like i definitely in my mind i was like we'll put awkward breeze out and then we'll like try to give it like give it a year like at least it just try to tour as much as just we it's like can. full press yeah so it. that was that was the plan and i don't know we all liked doing it and here we are like uh six years later <laughs>
0: um that record it's like you know it makes logical sense. It's like where you're going from and weight of air. But if you look at it like compared to the beginning, like it's so different. Was it? Um, was it something that you were like worried about? Because it's it's a punk record, like kind of only in name, really. Was it something that you were like you're exploring like a sonic territory that I think punk in particular can be hard to make changes with the way that you sound Mm -hmm. because you know some people when they do it they do it like very defiantly and other people's they you know we we were listening to that ceremony record Mm -hmm. on the way over here and it's like man it's tough to be a punk band that tries to not be a punk band right
1: yeah i think that as long as and i i don't know i feel like the change in the sound just came about because we just became more like able to play the stuff that we wanted to be playing. Like uh-huh. before that, like we did the split with tiger's jaw and we did like an Elvis Costello cover on it. And it was like, yeah. you know, studying the things that we were influenced by in a way, like right. learning just like the ways that it's like, Oh, you can listen to a Clash record. But like, if you really think about it, it's like, why is this a punk band? Why is that, Why is Elvis Costello? Like f- feel like it's like more on the punk side than just like classic pop. It's like, it's, right. it's different, uh-huh. I guess. And to me, that's all about like the attitude and, and, and like the approach and a lot of times like the way that you play live. And so like Awkward Breeze, I think it was just like, we just want to make a record. Like, I don't know, like want to make an album that just, it's like... It's bigger. Yeah, f- it, it
0: feels it, like it's more like, not, con- not concept, but there's more thought I think put into like making a larger presentation.
1: Yeah. I always wrote honestly even on so long You, dog like i would always write songs like based on where i think they'd fit in the track listing like the first song on that that record i was like all right we need a first song all right and it was like that's the song Uh uh-huh and so it would always be like that and like way to vera i was like all right it's gonna start with this quiet one and then it's gonna go into this one um so and like dmt was written like we had all other songs and i think we did and i was like oh we need to like We need, like, a real, like, bookend. So then I think we wrote DMT and then we wrote Daisy because it Uh was like, oh, we need to, like, make this. It needs to, because we played a lot of those songs live before we recorded them and we were just trying to feel out, like, how they'd fit into the set. Right. So you sort of see, like, how things are going to piece together on a record.
0: When you're playing that stuff live, since it is, like, sounding a little bit different, is is that, like, a way that you're gauging whether or not it's working or putting a lot of, I guess, emphasis into uh, the reactions that you're getting from that material
1: uh i don't i think that we all liked it so that was just like we're gonna do it either way and sometimes you play new songs and they don't always people are a little confused by them at first but then they hear the record and it's like it makes sense right so I, i don't think we've ever like questioned it but i think those songs went over well live because they were actually a little bit more aggressive in certain in certain ways than the earlier stuff because i started using more like fuzz pedals and stuff like the that. the
0: guitars are definitely like
1: way more in your face yeah i got a rat because i heard that uh mac from super chunk had a rat so uh-huh that's, i was like all right i'm gonna get a rat I, pedal. you know
0: what i i fucking bought uh bandwagon esque by teenage fan club and there's a picture of the guitar player in there just like holding his rat and i was like i gotta get a rat
1: yeah just, the t- the the, all alone. of all the lead stuff on the awkward breeds it was just i think it's like a tube screamer into a rat yeah both on fucking right <laughs> it, it's like the rat sounds cool but if you have both going it's even better
0: <laughs> you know when uh, a lot of those songs too and i think it's something that i was thinking about thinking about in getting ready to talk to you about that record and it makes sense that you're thinking about them you know in sequence, because I I hear songs like Diamond Eyes where it's like it's so far removed from like the A B A B of the earlier things. You know that song. It's just got so much like build to it, and that compliment to Will and Jonah where it's like you start with this really nice like vocal harmony, and then the whole song is just about like getting back to that part with a lot more like beef and noise behind it like all of those songs are just like structured in such a unique way was it like compositionally i know that you're thinking about them in terms of like the sequencing but like how does that building process go because like so many of them don't really follow like a traditional structure Mm -hmm.
1: uh certain ones we started collaborating a lot more on that record, I think, too, as a band. Like the Whale and Jonah, for instance, was one that I think I it was like the ending. It's like I don't know how this is gonna go, and then yeah. we just it was like let's just keep jamming on this, uh-huh. and um, and that was like the first record that Ryan was on, who plays bass, and he. I feel like he, like, carries a lot of the jams, like, with the, his bass lines. Sort of mm-hmm. be like, oh, what, what if we go here? And we'd all just kind of follow along. And, like, you could do whatever on guitar over, yeah. like, a bass line that's keep holding it down. You have a couple so, of
0: moments on the new record, too, where yeah. you do that. And the, they're the fucking best. Yeah,
1: that's all Ryan. That's just being like, uh eh, The song uh-huh. feels like it ends abruptly. Let's, like, jam this out. Like, he's Weed has got it. Yeah, like he's
0: dude, Weed 10 is fucking fantastic. Man. Oh, thank you. I, yeah, I think that he has a way, too, of, like you know really carrying things when he needs to and he's also like got some really good lead lines that come in there like especially on runners where it's it's like dude he knows when to just like anchor it and he knows when to like put the hook in yeah um you know there's a lot on awkward breeds to sink your teeth into i think like the theme too like looking at that phrase that kind of carries it awkward breeds like being you and and the people that you know is that like that's kind of the the first time when you started to really like work with a theme it feels like and like the records that have followed have kind of you know also had their sort of thematic uh aspects to them
1: yeah a little bit I I kind of like wrote a little bit just preemptively just about like I think just like conversations I was having with my friends about growing up and Uh like getting out of college and like all right what do you do next and like how do you know what you want to do what should you do with, you do with your life yeah and then also at the same time like being in i don't know just like falling in love and like being in love and like but also trying to like think about that a little bit more than just like surface level like emotions yeah and i feel like that was why like well, i don't know that's kind of what weight of air is. It's just like a breakup record pretty much. And it's very surface level. just like emotions.
0: It's yeah. It's funny. Like weight of air. It's like, it's, it's got that, like, this is what's happening to me right now. Mm -hmm. And like, this is how I live my life. And
1: it sucks. Yeah. And
0: awkward breeds. It's like, that's kind of the moment where you step out and you, you say things like, you know, you're a lot less direct. It's clearly you have something that you're writing about, but the language is a lot more floral. And it's a lot more, uh, it's, it's just like got that, uh, that license to it, I think.
1: Yeah. I think it was trying to write a little bit more like not just first person as well, mm-hmm. I guess.
0: When did you, did you hear Daisy? How did, how did you first hear that? Because, Uh, The reason that I love the way that that record ends so much is because it is my favorite uh, death scene in the history of cinema. It's 2001 when Hal starts singing that song and he just slowly goes under.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I love 2001 Space Odyssey, but I can't remember if I saw that. I took a class my senior year of college on Stanley Kubrick's movies. No
0: fucking way. but
1: right. but (laughs) But I don't know if... I forget if I had seen that movie before or after yeah. the daisy thing but I heard but I knew that song just from growing up yeah. like I just I think it was I don't know I probably just heard had heard people singing it even cuz it's just it's that's an Give old an ass answer, folk
0: song dude. Oh my god How was that class what's your favorite Kubrick movie uh, I just the Shining. did a rewatch we watched The Shining the other night it was fucking phenomenal yeah. You know what I 2001
1: lo- is great but I've seen it love, a lot I love seeing it but it, it's one of those that you like have to see in a theater mm-hmm. the shining also like you, uh, all of kubrick's movies you benefit a lot from seeing them in a theater yeah. but i feel like 2001 especially like it's got to be blasting and being able to see how huge it all is it's like it's, and you can't you like,
0: just can't have like any outside noise for that yeah i watched barry linden though for the first time since i was like 17 a mm. few weeks ago i fucking loved it i thought that, that was just tremendous i haven't watched that one what, you didn't watch it in your goddamn class who's no. teaching this thing
1: there's it's only a there's only so many you could do he had to pick he had to pick and choose and it was also an english class so he had to pick oh, certain ones okay. you could read a book with it right so right. it's like you do clockwork orange and like lolita
0: mm-hmm. i'm growing out my hair and my beard to do like stanley kubrick like 1987 that's the look that i'm going for <laughs> at the end of this uh at the end of this winter hopefully <laughs> yeah um he's the fucking best uh He's you not. know that that record though, I, I I love it. There's like so much to sink your teeth into. My friend Aaron like has this joke that I love. Like recently, it was like the end of a year, and he's like, "Wow, fifth year in a row, Sidekicks, Awkward Breeze is the record of the year." <laughs> Fucking right, Aaron. It's um, awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm really proud of it. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> happy with it.
0: Um, you know, you make you make that record, and and then I guess I'm. it's funny like when i when i heard runners in the nerf world it was a moment that i i remember hearing it for the first time and thinking like i just want to talk to this dude about this record Mm -hmm. and it's like sort of what this turned into is 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 this yeah now we're here (laughs) now we're here it's 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 an exciting moment but um you know i guess hearing that and hearing this thing that it, it was just like so deliberate every aspect of it felt like it was so intentional lyrically the way that it sounded the production on it and the question that i had when i you know went out and like bought the thing so that I could fucking read the lyric sheet because I knew that I needed to mm-hmm. was, you know, where does the intentionality on this thing start? You know, do you, do you sit and and say like, you know, okay, I've got, I've got these songs, how can I tie them together? Or do you write a song called Summer Brings You Closer to Satan and then say, oh, you know what? I should reference that song here and so like, it, just tell me about like the, the building processes of, of that thing.
1: Oh man. I'm, I'm trying to remember if I like, a lot of times I'll just write like certain lyrics down just like as I'm writing lyrics. So I feel like there's there's probably one or two lines in there that was like, it kind of like started out as like, all right, this is sort of, this might be a connecting theme uh-huh. with it. Yeah. But I can't even remember what it would be. Because <laughs> it's like, you oh, do so, uh, it, you, yeah.
0: you have, like,
1: drops in there. Like, first of all,
0: I got to get this out of the way. I feel like how the Bulls felt in 1993. Where did that come from?
1: What do you mean? What, that was what? like that was something that I just I You just, I just wrote that? D- yeah, right. just yeah, yeah, wrote yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I was just like, oh, that's like. And then I tried to put it into, like, a song about missing somebody. Dude. So, I, like, missing someone. Just, like, the Bulls missing Michael Jordan. <laughs> So there you go. I fucking <laughs> love it. But I was like, I could fit this in here. There's a lot of stuff Because like he retired
0: like, that, that summer. Yeah, exactly. They were the fucking champions of the world. Now they're going to turn into a bunch of losers for <laughs> one and three quarters of a year before Michael comes back. Yeah. I that, that was a great time in music, too, because it was like you and then Pusha T had this line about like 88 Jordan leaping from the free throw. And I was like, this is fucking great. This is all music should be is just fucking talking about Michael Jordan.
1: Like, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, it might, it might get a little bit too jock sure. jock rock but
0: um <laughs> there's there's things that are that are going on like throughout that and i kind of like coming off of uh, awkward breeds where you have songs that are structured like in such unique and different ways and and this one you kind of like return back to a b a b structures but you're very adept at like putting interesting parts in there and bridges and stuff like that do you feel like did you feel like you were wanting to get back into that sort of territory like structurally or did it kind of just like end up happening that way that you were just like yeah choruses are cool Uh, Some choruses on this record
1: yeah i think i think well the main point of that one was just like try to make like a really big pop record and pop songs have a structure yeah and i don't know the the reason why a lot of the there's a lot of like weird like structural or like time signature things on awkward breeze is because i like kind of really started listening to the beatles like almost obsessively around uh-huh. that time i was thinking about this Makes the other sense. day i was like oh yeah awkward breeze that was when i was listening to the beatles a lot and that's probably why there's all these weird like turns in the middle of the song yeah like, for days sure where it just drops out it's like dun 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 uh-huh. that's just ripped off of a. Uh, Uncle Albert by Paul McCartney. It's like yeah. on that Ram record. Ram I love that, that record. Yeah, so like that's just that's literally like the same thing. Mm-hmm. That little Ram
0: you know, thing. and fucking and fucking uh, McCartney too were the things that like made me f- totally reevaluate P- Paul McCartney.
1: Yeah, Ram was also a record that I heard for the first time on that tour that we did in 2008 with Ghost Town Trio. Yeah, it's it was a like masterpiece. They, like, yeah, like I heard all these things that I'd like because I had heard the Beatles before, but it was like. I think my mom had, like, the one, like, she had, like, the CD she had was, like, that, the singles compilation. Yeah. And just certain songs that they had, singles, I feel like just, I'm sure at the time they made a lot of sense in the music world, and they were really, like, well, this is crazy, but, Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to hear We All Live in a Yellow Submarine now. Like, I'm not going to jam that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely not.
0: Yeah, that's why, like I said recently, like, the White Album is my favorite Beatles album. It's because the one that feels, like, unexplored at this point, there really isn't that much that that feels that way you know it's just so like ingrained
1: every aspect of them yeah um Um, but yeah so anyways bringing that up just to be like i think at that time it was just kind of organically just trying to do the things that i don't know That's what the sidekicks has always been is just like trying to make the music that you want to hear uh-huh which is what most people are usually doing but i think we've always been like unashamed at just trying stuff that we're like we're into this now so let's try and play that kind of music
0: and you were pretty into band of horses and like the phil stuff because like phil Eck is the producer it was like I, I guess i like looked at that when it came out did you demo that record and then send it to epitaph or did epitaph say like we like this we want to work with you
1: we had like four songs demoed uh-huh and it was like we were gonna we were we were choosing between working with i think like a few labels and then epitaph were interested and they like just put an offer on the table right away and it was just like uh-huh. and our main goal was trying to find a different label was at least for me it was just like i want to work with a producer yeah, i want to work totally. with somebody that i can learn from because other band i play in saint seneca we had like it was this open eye open experience where like we did made this record shopped it around and got signed to anti and mm-hmm. then um recorded with mike mogus yeah the guy he's like in bright eyes and stuff great guy Dude. great producer uh-huh. and it was like I was like, "Whoa!" Like working with somebody like that, you kind of like realize that like you can you're allowed to record with these people. They're just real people. They're not like unattainable like hurdles that you have to go through. Like they just want to make records too. Totally. You just have to have the budget. So that Uh was why we were like, "All right, let's find a label." Yeah. Epitaph. From the first conversation we had, Brett was just like, "Who would you want to work with?" And I was like, "Well, I don't know if it would make sense because I think he's just too expensive." So. I don't know. He's like, "No, no, who would it be?" And I was like, "Phil Eck." He's like, "Oh yeah, I know Phil. He did a record like in the 90s with us." And it just yeah. made it happen.
0: That's fucking yeah. awesome cuz it had that feel of like, you know, it honestly it, it reminded me of like the early 90s when like so many like alt rock bands were getting signed by majors and then like given this like budget. I mean, yeah. it's it's on a little bit of a smaller scale for y'all, but it it was very it seemed very plain that it was just like so epitaph is like who do you want to work with and you're like philac and they're like okay cool do it
1: yeah it was it was one of the, like the most like fulfilling like i don't know like oh i have this dream to do something and it actually happened yeah. like i still like think about that record i'm just like it's so sick that that exists and what like because I, I was just like because yeah. i was like oh i love all of phil's recordings i love all the built the spill stuff mm-hmm. and it was like it would, i just love how the drums always sound and it's just like do the drums and the sounds vocals so always sounds good, good. like every, so i just padded. yeah i mm. love i just love all of his recordings so getting to actually do it was just like a, it was just amazing i
0: think one of my favorite things about that record is that there are so many moments where it's only arpeggiating guitars there's no like underneath like chords happening mm-hmm. and i think like within punk that just doesn't happen you know it's always yeah. like it's always a bed of like you know palm muted guitars and then you throw on like an arpeggiated layer but there's so many just like pretty like pre-choruses where it's just like you know one two note arpeggiation that's happening i think that that's like one of the prettiest moments of the of that record is like those those like tiny bits where it's just like punk bands don't do that
1: yeah i mean i would never i don't tell people if people ask if we're a punk like what type of music we play if i'm in like a record so i just tell them that we're a rock band right but we come we come from punk rock and Uh we made punk rock records so that kind of makes it it, everyone will always look at us from that lens like for sure this is a pop punk band Uh uh-huh and it's a little confusing i guess because there's you're I don't pretty, know. Yeah, we're yeah. pulling from other, others I guess, guitar styles. Do you feel
0: like it keeps? Does it keep us? Do you
1: feel like it maybe keeps the ceiling on you? Like I don't know. I don't try. I try to. I mean, I try not to think about that stuff. Yeah, we just That's try to. Like, for we do the best. You're yeah, doing I mean, what you do. Yeah, like all we, and anyone that we've worked with to, like I guess, like as a band, like whoever, like management or labels, they just tell us just like just try to make the best music you can just make the best record you can. Mm. That's there. That's like everyone's at least people that have been doing it for years and have put out hit records and have put out flops. They're just like, I don't know. All you can do is just try to like make the best record that you can. And other than that, it's kind of to them. It's still like people know how to market things in certain ways. They right. try their best, but in the end it's just all like, I don't know, a crap shoot, I guess. Sure. So, I don't know as long as you're making the music that you want to make. It is then yeah. it, then it, then you're like then you're you're doing great and I feel like uh-huh. I feel I feel successful in that like we're definitely like writing albums that we're all proud of and yeah. playing songs that we like to play. It is
0: it is funny to look at it and and see that like you signed to Epitaph and you are already like not exactly a punk band and then the record that you make for Epitaph is even less <laughs>
1: of a punk record yeah i mean it was just that was just yeah. the one that we were working i like on, that but... they were
0: cool with it i think that that's fucking awesome
1: yeah they, i don't I, I think he was i think brett was like surprised by it but a lot of other band like that band pianos become the teeth signed to epitaph around the same time and they uh-huh. put out their most like poppy record with them with yeah them too and i think he was just like he's like Almost like in a way where it's like, I hope people don't think that I like told these bands to do this. Like, it's more just like yeah. it just happened that way where these bands, I feel like it just worked out where it was like, oh, we want to make a. Majestic I majestic the
0: vibe that like, rock record. that people get from like, you know, the Epitaph Association is just like Epitaph clearly figured out that like, y'all know what you were doing, pianos knew what they were doing, Joyce Manor knew what they were doing. Like, bring them in and say, do what you want to do here. Yeah. Clearly you've got something going on for you.
1: Yeah, I think... And also there's just people at work there that were like fans of the bands, I think. Yeah. There's... there's, Yeah. I think that's just how... It's like any small label, I suppose, in that way. For sure. The people are just like, oh, yeah, I love... I remember they, yeah, because they liked awkward breeds, and uh-huh. then we sent them the demos. Like, oh yeah, we like you guys. I mean, it was just, but it was weird because we sent stuff to them. It wasn't like they came to us. Yeah, but when we came knocking on the That's door, when they, were they were like, like okay, like, oh, yeah, cool, yeah, we love you. Yeah, it was just weird. Uh-huh. But I don't know. It's as easy as asking for something, I suppose. Um, I was gonna say, I feel like I was sort of thinking about it with uh-huh. the Runners in the Nerved World album, and I feel like the whole thing that I was thinking about was just like, I suppose, like that whole album if there's like the one theme it was like trying to connect just like movement or like simulating movement in your life yeah that's all it feels like that was why that so like every song uh-huh. you can kind of connect that in 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 whatever there's way like, like simulating movement or like or just no mm-hmm. like in your life i suppose like simulating just like i don't know like new like m- almost like chemically simulating movement by just like altering your brain with like drinking or something like right, that's like sure. being in a different place or uh-huh. just like but also at the end of the day just being like i don't know i'm just ending here. up back where you started right
0: from. yeah it felt very like that whole record just has like a kind of scenic feel to it i think phil helped it out a lot i think that you know your lyrics having the ways that they would tie into each other it it was a really well put together piece of work
1: yeah my only thing with it at least my my only like i love it and i love how it sounds and everything but my only i don't know if this and you can tell me but i feel like i wonder if the way that it sounds and how um i don't know like heavy not heavy-handed but just how like it doesn't just sound like a band in a room it sounds like uh, there's production value to it Mm -hmm. i wonder if that um is kind of like a block to like getting into like what the like what the songs are about or like the lyrics or something like that. I don't
0: think so because I think that the vocals sit so nicely in the mix. Yeah. I think that it's all part of a whole. Yeah. I think that a, I think a studio record is a really good thing to have in your canon. Yeah. Did you feel? I think that one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is the way that like your discography like really builds. And I was finding that a lot of my questions about like awkward breeds were coming from looking back through the lens of runners and same thing, you know, looking at weight of air and looking at the early stuff in a lot of ways, like runners felt like a very culminative record on what you'd been building over the course of, of your band's life was it was it tough to follow i guess was there like was there any sort of weight of like damn like how do we come back from
1: that following runners yeah um i don't think it was like tough to follow because we just wanted to keep writing stuff but we did have we had like a in the period after that there was like a lot of changes within the band like Matt Schumann wasn't playing with us anymore after that, and uh-huh. Toby joined the band right. on the li- like when we started playing live shows. Oh, like okay. he joined after we recorded Runners, and he joined uh-huh. the band before we even played the first show, like the record release show. Of that. Yeah, so there was what like, happened with Matt? That's eh, not worth going into. Okay, yeah, yeah, but yeah, he's not anymore. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, so
0: t- so Toby com- comes in and and you tour on it, and then. There's uh you know there's a period of like all right now now what
1: yeah kind of and then just learning how to play together as like just reforming that chemistry as a band uh-huh. so we did all the touring on that record and like just sort of yeah like I don't know kind of like reacclimating as because I feel like bands are it's just like you move one piece and it kind of cha- throws off the whole like the chemistry yeah, of it totally. all you kind of have to like well this w- record does to play together. It's, it again.
0: sounds like it sounds. You know, much more of a band playing mm-hmm. in a room together. Yeah, which sounds like that's what you what you what you wanted. Especially like looking back at Runners and wondering like, is it too much of like, all right, we got uh, we got some guitars that we're gonna punch in here, and there's like eight of them happening on this side of the mix. Yeah, this is like hey, the Happiness Hours is is much more of like band playing in the room, especially when you get into those jams. Like mm-hmm. those are those are good takes.
1: Yeah, that's what it was. It's just us playing live. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's just, I feel like all, like anytime, it's not like we make like, I suppose it was a decision to try to do a record as a band because I think we were just like, well, we sound good when we play live together and we have a chemistry of us just playing together. So yeah, it it's, I don't know. It's cool to try to like capture that on a recording.
0: I like John's john angelo's credit in there of
1: wall of shit oh john Angelo, yellow yeah
0: it's an yellow
1: yeah dude that's uh, so cool
0: yeah <laughs> way cooler than angelo uh
1: yeah angelo wall of sh- yellow wall of shit is uh that was his phrase uh-huh. john yellow's wall of shit he just was describing I that as his, as his as his i can't take credit for that uh-huh. He's describing it as that's his production uh, style. He's like, You've heard of Phil Spector's wall of sound? Yeah. Well mine's the wall of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Does he talk like that? I don't know. I'm probably being <laughs> probably being mean. It, it... <laughs> he's a New Jersey guy. No, yeah, he's the best. Yeah. I I love him. He's like I don't know. He's like our he he's re- like what, our band he's like our band uncle. That was
0: it's in like Newark, the, right? Or was it was it Newark or Hoboken?
1: Hoboken yeah. is the water music and then we um did some overdubs at um, Russell Street. It was just like an apartment that these people have. That uh-huh. these, these cool guys have that have like a bunch of... Like they have some nice gear there and they have a little vocal booth and we do all the vocals there and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Just w- to kind of save some money on the on, like... Because you don't need to run out of gigantic studio space to record like a guitar. Right.
0: Lyrically, you've got... It's like there's definitely things that you're returning to it feels like this record like feels like
1: unhappiness hours
0: yeah yeah it feels like things that you write in the back of a van with your headphones on like the way you're talking about music and and seeing giant crosses on the on the side of the road um it's also like i think it's it feels like it's the most like in your head record especially because when you talk about headaches especially elegy for tim me right here fucking migraines on and off for last eight years of my life i'm just like dude thanks steve
1: talking about me on your record again (laughs) yeah for all the people that get headaches i'm with you
0: (laughs) you get you get them
1: a lot i yeah but i figured out things that trigger it for me yeah i i feel like i've like yeah
0: were you getting them when you were writing this stuff? Because there's there's moments where it's just like, I know that
1: space. I don't think I was writing any songs while I had a headache. That's uh-huh. for sure. <laughs> yeah, you can't do fucking anything when you got a headache. Kinda, yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, you know, it 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 does have that like that flavor of like runners, you know, which was super thematic. Um. But, you know, the topics that you return to like on happiness hours, was it as deliberate for you, would you say, for like putting together a theme? And, you know, you you have humming elegy for Tim and then the song elegy for Tim references the mixtape for a rainy day, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Is that just like, is that fun for you? Is that what your is that what your goal is? Like, oh, let me give these little these little gems in here.
1: I, I mean, I always like when... I think the main goal is to make an album that doesn't just feel like the band got to having 12 songs and they're like, all right, time to go in the studio. And then you kind of throw it together after the fact. Yeah. I think it's always better to have it feel like a piece. And so there's all... Yeah, like it's always thought of as like putting an album together. But Happiness Hours was actually more of an album that was... Like I made some of those connections after the fact, I suppose. Uh-huh. But um, when we were writing the songs, like it was the most collaborative band record by far yeah like like, i'd come in and we'd really like work through different arrangements of the songs and just everyone was like trying different stuff like on their own like not just going with like the most immediate like all right this is what would make sense for the drum beat here Mm -hmm. like everyone was we like i think challenged ourselves in that way of and and it just was more collaborative like Toby sang for the first time on a record. Yeah. Ryan sang for the first time on a Sidekicks record. So, like, everyone was getting involved in in it a lot more. And, but with the songwriting process, like, I went into it just being like, we always have these songs that people, like, really just like when we play live, everyone just wants to hear. And they're the songs that we end up playing all the time mm-hmm. live because it's like, all right, these are the singles. So, I just went into it just trying to be like, I want every song to be a single. So, that was the goal. Yeah.
0: You got some fucking singles on Besides here. Besides Happiness
1: sure. Hours, which that one was just a song I just that just kinda happened. Like, yeah. I just wrote where, it. Where
0: did that come from?
1: Well, I have a lot of stuff that I'll like write, like just well, a lot of the lyrics are like you said, you kind of nailed it where it's like just written while like just going through life, which a lot of time you're spending just sitting in the van. Yeah. So I'll just think you of stuff and off just write from it down fucking
0: Omaha holiday.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> but um but the song Happiness Hours, I had, like, just some thoughts written out about, like, the whole part, just about, uh like, the end part, like, uh, California. Picture in a, yeah, like, the picture in a frame or the mm-hmm. the rain. Just thinking about, I guess, like, a moment. And that was why, that's, the whole album was, like, I thought it was just funny to name an album Happiness Hours because I would just call it, like, I was at a happy hour and I just thought it'd be funny to be, like, oh. Uh-huh a happiness hour like this is when you'll be happy (laughs) it's just stupid but so then being like uh but thinking about i guess just like those moments of like joy or like happiness in your life and even thinking back on them and like removing them from any sort of context like whether that be like a relationship and like a joyous moment in a relationship that you later on think of being like oh that one how people Mm -hmm. talk about things like falling apart or like just you know whatever just removing moments i guess from their like Not, like, context, but just, like, it's almost just... The album ends up being a lot more, like, just snapshots of, like, memories, I suppose. I feel like... So, like, trying to remove something from that uh and just being, like... I don't know. I guess just letting that moment just be...
0: I feel like, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about a lot when I first heard it and kind of returned back to it over the last few days of, like, listening to it a few times is, you know, find fucking music in your life, you know? It's, like you know LPs are you know give or take but those times where you're just kind of locked into somebody's world and you can just like full-on immerse yourself in it and just like I mean especially now just like the times when you can actually drop everything and listen to a record or you know you get time alone with a record like that's where I was thinking with it you know and especially with like the the name drops that you have like throughout of like the people that fucking mean something to you Mm -hmm. um i and i like too that it's like it feels like it's going different places and then you get to you get to medium in the middle and you get to the title track where those are those are songs about the midwest those are songs about like you know being in a place and i feel like you know in talking to people like max you know cleveland is that's a that's a place where it's it's very uh it it is what it is but there's also like so much love to it Mm -hmm. and that line that you have about you know ohio the the ohio uh heart tattoo Mm -hmm. that you saw and i i like putting that as a delay tattoo is it yeah hell yeah Delay is like the most Ohio thing. <laughs> that, shout out. <laughs> that fucking is in existence, you know? I there's like there's a goodness there, and I think that it's um that was it was just a nice spot, I think, for that for that that record to end.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I guess that I have like I'm I'm from New Jersey originally. I think the Midwest is a weird place. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it's got its own like real real like warmth to it yeah and you wear it
1: yeah i love the midwest i mean i i don't know i love all like my friends i've grown up with i love all the bands like like from like the ohio scene yeah but i don't think it's like that much different than i feel like probably a lot of other people have the same stories about their like local scene and like the bands they are influenced by. right but i also feel like i like talking about ohio because a lot of people in ohio i don't know i feel like i was trying to put in there like just the fact that a lot of people always are like people that live in ohio a lot of them are trying to leave yeah or trying to get out or like talking or talking about how they're gonna move it's listening to bruce
0: records man where it's like it's this place that he loves so much and all of the songs are about leaving it (laughs) that push and pull um but yeah People do talk about leaving places like that a lot. That's like,
1: that's their focus, I think. I would say that's one of the most popular conversations overheard at a bar in Columbus. You still... It's like, I'm trying to... Yeah, I'm thinking about... I'm going to be moving to LA. Yeah. I'm going to be moving here. It's like, all right.
0: You're still there though, right?
1: Yeah, I still live in Columbus. You're going to stay, you think? I'm probably... I might be moving to the West Coast. (laughs) (laughs) That's my conversation. It's me too. Yeah.
0: I mean... You can't. You're 29, right? 30. Just turned 30. You just turned 30? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's like one of those like, all right, I got to do something moments.
1: Yeah. I I don't I don't know. I don't you think don't like moving have somewhere to. I don't think moving somewhere is something that's going to like like save my life, but uh-huh. moving from Cleveland to Columbus was like a gigantic change for me. Yeah. I think I'm I think I'm resistant to change. I've been in the same band for 15 years now. Uh-huh. So. That's, f-
0: that's wild me to consider. I would say,
1: and I would say Sanders might also say the same thing, that he mm-hmm. is a little bit resistant to change. Yeah. So I think we both are like, I don't know, slowly pro- <laughs> like, like letting ourselves get out of our comfort zones. But. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a Midwestern thing. Maybe it's everybody. I don't know.
0: That's where we're going to leave it. It was, um, you know, I I meant when I said earlier, too, about about runners really making an impact on me of just like wanting to wanting to talk to people who are who are making things with intentions. And uh, a lot of your a lot of your shit does that for me. So it was very nice having you over to talk. Thanks. Um, so let's get back in the car and sit in traffic. I'll take you back to the bottom lounge. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Thanks a
1: lot
0: All right, hey, could you tell I was excited? Steve has been doing this. For so long and has grown so much over the course of it to think that this band has been doing it for 15 years that they hit their stride 10 years ago and that they're continuing to grow. I talked about how culminative runners felt, but they follow with a record that is packed with great pop songs and great sentiments that are universal in their specificity. The psychics to me are a treasure of a band and deserve to be treated as such Big thanks to Steve for coming by and being so receptive and really just a joy to be around. Check out the Sidekicks online, sidekicksohio.bandcamp.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Stitcher. We're on Bandcamp, .bandcamp betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com. You can stream it on our website, betteryetpod.com. Patreon, if you'd like to support the show, that is the best way to do so. Got some good offerings over there in exchange for your patronage. Check that out at patreon.com slash betteryetpodcast. Tell a friend. We're on Facebook. Twitter is at betteryetpod. Email is betteryetpodcast at gmail.com. Check out As You Were podcast But Alkaline Trio. David and I are wrapping up it month. And over at Postmarkedum, Scott and I are talking about narrative and meta-narrative. professional wrestling stop on over there and goodness gracious thank you so much thanks to steve thank you chloe and lily and medwin thanks to max stern the homie eternally grateful take it away polly come back next week thanks
1: bubbles